0: This is Scripture Read Badly, a podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order,
1: attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time.
0: I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Today's Bible reading comes from Exodus 19. Verse 13. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. This is God's um, first introduction to the world of ghetto rap, a oh. la Kanye West. And it came with its own dance, like... Mm. No hand shall touch him. That's a dance move. But mm. he shall be stoned or shot. That's a dance move. Yeah, Whether totally. beast or man, he shall not live. It's like the I can feel it finger. When yep. the trumpet sounds a loud blast, and everyone plays the trumpet, and there's a yep. trumpet in the song, and then they shall come up to the mountain. That's another dance move. This is Scripture badly. I'm Jeremy.
1: My name's Ryan, and today we're looking at Exodus chapter nineteen. And that is Israel at Mount Sinai. If you're following along at home, and even if you're not, that's the chapter we're doing. So, uh, before we get really stuck into it, why don't we tell the uh, tell each other and tell the listening audience how we prepared for this episode today? Jeremy, you sound kind of uh, gravelly and rugged. Why? Why Ooh, that, rugged. that?
0: I don't look rugged because I'm wearing. <laughs> um... A scarf inside my own house, but
1: because you're wearing a donut, or because some I'm wearing other smooth a smooth
0: object, <laughs> and, mm, rugged. Uh, so yesterday I had a kids camp and today I have a kids camp. So we have to record this at six o'clock in the morning. So it's very dark outside, <laughs> but I prepared by uh, last night. I play a game in a bar every week with a huge bunch of people, and so last night I did that. But as I was there this missions prayer team from Finland were there too, and I was like messaging them like, hey, here's some prayer requests I have, and they couldn't meet up tomorrow because I've got this kids camp, mm. and then the, the guy messaging me messages me like, oh, where are you? And I was like, oh, they're going to try and meet up with me mm. in the city, I'm playing games with my friends, I'm just going to tell them the prayer requests and not tell him where I am, <laughs> and then <laughs> he like this guy walks up to my table and he's just like, Jeremy? And I look up to him and he's like, uh, hello? And and it was this Finnish prayer team that had randomly stumbled into this bar
1: to eat dinner. Wow.
0: And it was so good. Like, they were so encouraged that they found me almost miraculously. Yeah. And they just wanted to know about the area because their church is thinking of um, doing missions in the Baltics. Mm -hmm. And it was just so fun. I really liked it. But I also (laughs) was very annoyed that I wasn't playing my game because... (laughs) <laughs> every mm. Wednesday we have to resupply and so I didn't get to resupply this week but I got to resupply in encouragement mm. see what I did there is it d is,
1: is that the game
0: oh no it's called Ingress it's the precursor to Pokemon Go oh it's wow a lot okay. it's a lot nerdier than Pokemon Go in a lot of ways but I've made a lot of friends through it and it's really <laughs> fun but then yeah so I went to sleep for a few hours and then I'm now awake <laughs> with my heater in front of me and it's so
1: good Mm-hmm. you, you sleep for precious few hours i uh went with my fiance and by the time this comes out praise the lord she will be my wife
0: um, yeah
1: to go get her a new phone because both of our phones for all of last year hers was pretty good but mine was just rubbish absolute rubbish and then uh, when I was sent home from the States around Christmas time, my family said, you know what? We're going to make sure your phone doesn't ever play up again so that you will never get uh, stopped at the border before you get married. At the border. Exactly. Because, you know, that might happen again. Um, so they made sure that I had a, a phone that I was able to buy. And so it's been perfect. I love it. But then Fiona's phone was uh, not doing too great. Cause it was an iPhone five and the most of the iPhone fives after a couple of years have really bad battery issues where they don't yep. last more than about four seconds unplugged. And sometimes even when they're plugged in, they just die. So oh. that was pretty funny. We took it in, um, to get it replaced. So we actually bought her a new phone and she's stoked out of her mind, which is awesome. Especially in Sweet. the time leading up to the wedding, uh, as uh, at time of recording, that's when this was, we, yeah, to have a phone that was constantly playing up when we're trying to organise details and we're not living in the same place, so we have to communicate, yeah, has been a uh, unnecessary
0: stress, but a yeah. nightmare. Some would say.
1: <laughs> some may use that word. Yes, no, but that was uh, that was what we did. It took a long time, but it ended up working well. And then I just had a fantastically delicious burrito from everybody's favourite Mexican with emissions, Embrero, KFC zambrero close huh. uh but i i actually took the uh the advice from a few weeks ago into account when uh when it said you shall make bread without leaven and i thought Ooh. well tortillas taco tuesday even though we recorded this on a thursday why not um oh yeah. i
0: see what you're doing
1: taco thursday, taco thursday. but uh True. yeah no zambrero is so good as far as Mexican food goes in Australia, I know a lot of people harp on about Guzman y Gomez, but man, Zambrero's just, it's just nice. It's like Australian Mexican at its finest, as opposed to Ooh. wanting to be authentic Mexican, which isn't, to someone with my taste buds, as appealing. So yeah, it's good. <clears throat> Fee and I always go to Zambrero. It's kind of one of our staple meals, which is a good thing, I choose to believe.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's healthy.
1: Yeah, so that's mostly how I prepared today. Um, And something else that I did was open up my Bible to this chapter and read a few verses in it. So I had a, a very, very vague understanding of what was to come. But what I do know is that chapter 19 begins the very, very long slog... Through the law up until this point it's mostly been history albeit poetic at times but from now it's pretty much just law with a few historical things that happen in there um so we might get stuck down a few times into a few of these cheeky little laws but uh for the most part we'll try not to do you know 70 chapters of uh of the Pentateuch that are just about law, so
0: yeah we'll pretty much just do the cheeky ones
1: yep yeah, yep yeah. we're definitely going to pick things and we're not going to take them out of context we far be it from us to do such a thing
0: why would we do that that's ridiculous
1: I know it sounds terrible well uh Jeremy why don't you do a quick recap of what happened to get us to Mount Sinai
0: Uh, You had the people of Israel move into Egypt because they needed food, and one of their greatest sons led the country for a long time, Mm -hmm. and then over 400 years they became uh, employees of the states, let's say, Mm -hmm. and one of the pharaohs forgot how good their first favorite son was at leading the country and started Mm -hmm. treating them more like slaves. Yeah. But God, before this, had promised them a huge, good paradise land to Abraham, so they, we assume that they stuck to that hope.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then God raised up a prince of Egypt, as it were, who was also Jewish,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who at eight years old came back from where he had moved to get a family, and he hosted God's miraculous liberation of a whole people group mm-hmm. and then send them into the wilderness to teach yeah. them a bunch of stuff yep and to feed them miraculously
1: yeah mm-hmm. so we've That's had the manna the manna the quail the water from the rock and sorry i'm just eating some nut mix because apparently the burrito wasn't enough for me
0: <laughs> okay, so honestly, I was going to make muesli with yogurt and just sneakily eat it in the background, <laughs> so I may do that later.
1: That's fine. I think what I've what I've just done in stuffing my face with nuts has given you permission to do that, so
0: totally go right fine. ahead. And I am curious what the third new moon means, because that's mm. the opening of this chapter. I'm pretty so sure, isn't, third new moon, isn't that
1: one of the Twilight books?
0: Uh, let's never speak of Twilight ever again. That's a <laughs> dirt book series. Um, Although I don't know what like, it's about. I feel like it's
1: kind of dating us because there was, there was a time, what, 10, 15 years ago when those things were huge, where they were, they were coming out. It was as the Harry Potter, uh, fanatics kind of, uh, went back into hiding and suddenly these vampires emerged and everybody's going nuts for them. And
0: uh... Yeah, but dating, I'm dated because I was alive when the first Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out. Okay. <laughs> and that's ages ago, vampire stuff. Well, I'm dated and...
1: because I was alive when, no, I wasn't alive when Jurassic Park came out. I was born oh, I later that was. year.
0: Man. I must have been 90s old or something then.
1: Or, or maybe. It was in 93, so.
0: I have dated. Um, <laughs> As have I. And there is we... this movement of the people where they have sat for a bit to figure out how to organize themselves, which was chapter 18 when they figured out that Moses couldn't be the justice of the people by himself. Mm-hmm. And now that they've organised somewhat, and later in the book they organise them so much that they know what order they have to get out of the camp at, and it's usually family grouping. So I wonder if they have that now. Mm. But they set out from a place called Rephidim, which oh, has Rephidim. come up a few times.
1: Yeah. So that that was
0: into the wilderness.
1: That was the place where Moses's baby father-in-law Jethro came out and met him and said, "Dude, what are you doing?" You need to not wear so many hats in the uh, the nation of Israel. You need to let your yeah, bald head shine a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, so that was the whole uh, structuring of the judicial system of uh, yep. all that kind of stuff. And so then... Like you said, they set out into the wilderness. So they go to the foot of Mount Sinai. Sinai, we remember, is the mountain where God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. um, And uh, where God initially commissioned Moses to become the deliverer. So Moses has done his part. He has delivered Israel out of Egypt back to this very same spot, which he called the Mountain of God. And we're about to see even more why that is called the Mountain of God. Um, So, they encamped in this wilderness. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the wilderness means. I think I've always been led to believe that it was desert. But I can imagine there to be brambles and other desert bushes and stuff. So... I don't really know if it's Sahara grade or centre of Australia type of thing, but yeah.
0: Yeah, or just like Tidbinbilla, a little <laughs> bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, Tidbinbilla is a nature reserve camper. <laughs> and it is beautiful. It is brutiful.
1: It is brutiful. Oh, speaking of brutiful, I just did a cheeky little Google search of the desert of Sinai. Yeah. And it is desert. It's just desert with a few dingoes or something. Uh camels, in fact. Ooh, hello. Yeah. Do
0: they store the water in their pouch?
1: <laughs> they do. I guess you could I don't know, hammer in a straw into the hump of a camel if you get really desperate, but mm, we're not going to go that tasty. way. Tasty. Um but yes, this is uh this is interesting. So, I've heard I think I've heard the wilderness described one of two ways. One way it was de- the desert, and I think that's mainly how the new international version describes it. Yeah. And the other way I kind of viewed more like uh, more like the uh, the desert land where Faramir camps out in in the Lord of the Rings. Um, and is he that the one is, that gets shot? Um,
0: Sorry, spoiler alert.
1: He he definitely gets killed, yeah. But he's played by the uh, the Aussie actor, um, and I don't remember what his name was. But it was the the uh, wilderness of Athelion, which used to be this beautiful, uh, majestic forest land. But then when the uh, the Dark Lord rose again, whoa, that's kind of like an anti-biblical narrative. When he came back to power, Athelian became overgrown and became this different kind of wilderness. It was more like if you get lost in there, you will die because you will never find your way to a water source, that type of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Where it was an overgrown wilderness as opposed to a barren wilderness. So, the pictures I'm seeing now of the wilderness of Sinai seem to imply that it is barren wilderness. There are some Desert bushes and desert trees, but for the most part, it's rocks and sand, which makes me think it would be a very dismal existence wandering around in that for forty years.
0: Yeah, but it also makes sense that God had to keep finding them water.
1: Yes. Oh, totally. Miracle after miracle. Hey.
0: Yeah, you got to get those miracles.
1: Yeah, you'd think that if they if they were close enough to any kind of real life source, that there would be animals and things that they could hunt and food that they could get on their own, as opposed to letting the manna and the quail fall from the sky every day. Yeah. Yeah. So... God is most
0: definitely the Beyonce of miracle workers.
1: Totally. Totally. Um, I'm not exactly sure what direction you were going there, whether it was like a single lady direction or...
0: Yeah, he's definitely the single lady of miracle workers.
1: <laughs> Put your hands up and catch the manna as it comes down.
0: You've got to get that All manna. Right. That so we find them encamped before <laughs> the mountain, mm. and Moses goes up to God, which we don't know how far up the mountain at this stage he goes, and it's like God gives Moses things to give to the elders of the people, and then it slowly trickles down to the people. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those times where God's very serious about how holy <coughs> the space is. So he puts barriers around the mountain and rules mm-hmm. so that no one comes and ruins his holiness sacred space, which is quite yeah. important.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking at Mount Sinai now, just out the window, um, and uh, and I can see that it is... Uh, two thousand two hundred and eighty-five meters above sea level. So that's over two kilometers. Is
0: huh. that two times Kosciuszko or the same as Kosciuszko? Oh, let me see. Kosciuszko. Which, for the record, is named after a Lithuanian, which is weird.
1: Wow, that's that's cool. It is actually. You're not going to believe this. It is sixty. It's exactly the same. No, no, no. Fifty-seven meters taller than Kosciuszko.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Only With 57.
1: No snow. With no snow. So basically Mount Sinai is the Middle Eastern equivalent of Mount Kosciuszko. It's it's, it's a natural anti Yes. Exactly. Whatever that means. Um, so we are... Uh, I guess we can assume that Moses went at least halfway up that. It says that the prominence is 332 metres, so maybe it's that the elevation above sea level is 2,000-whatever metres, but from the ground up, it's only 332.
0: Oh, that's Um, easy to walk. That's like a Lithuanian mountain. Yes, yes. That's just yes. less than Mount Taylor, which was out the back of my parents' house. All right, that makes sense.
1: Okay, so uh, to pretty much uh, go back on what I said earlier, the elevation is higher at Mount Sinai, but I'm pretty sure the... Uh, so Mount Kosciuszko, the land around it is at zero metres above sea level. So it is uh, yeah. over two kilometres Prominent Ooh. high from the uh, oh, okay, from yeah. the ground, so Koziosko will feel a lot higher than Sinai would. Except, I mean, you're dealing with similar elevations there. Mount Koziosko looks way higher. Okay, okay, so that that puts it a bit in uh, in more perspective. So it's not like Moses is hiking for hours on end to get to the top of this thing. He's walking mm. 332 meters up the side of this mountain. Yeah. Um, and so when it says Moses went up to God, it is definitely not a stretch to assume that he would take some kind of trail that got him right near the summit. Because it, it doesn't it. really look that that hard to climb, although it looks nope. very gnarly and barren. So
0: Yeah, I suppose that makes sense that God put bar- well, yeah, barriers, let's call them, around the bottom of the mountain if it's not that big because if it was two kilometers high he probably wouldn't have to do that so much true
1: yep yep yeah so that's that's actually really interesting i i always thought that it was a lot higher than this um and i mean the listeners at home and you even just heard me say wow i didn't realize that it was only 322 meters off the ground so it's uh it's a bit of a, uh, a reworking of my my mentality approaching Mount Sinai, I think. Um, so now I'm I'm seeing it a lot more like uh, ascending a big hill.
0: Yeah, but as opposed and that to also makes sense. When they disobey later, and God's like, "Go down the hill." They're mucking up. I always thought, "Oh, that's going to take him a couple of days to get back." Yeah, but this is like he could have almost stopped them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> that's cool. Yeah. Google, what a great invention.
1: Yeah, so even the Mount of Olives, it says the elevation is 826 metres above sea level, but Jerusalem was a lot closer to the sea. So uh, Google doesn't tell me exactly what the prominence is of Mount of Olives, but it would be fairly safe to assume that there wasn't too much difference in scaling Mount Sinai to scaling Mount the Mount of Olives. So when Jesus would go up the mountain to pray... It's a similar type of thing that Moses is doing here. It's not like he's going for days on end to get to the top. It's more like walking for an hour.
0: Yeah. um,
1: An hour to, to reach a point of solitude. So even when we see that Joshua goes partially up the mountain with him, I think that it scales down the mental picture that I have of everything because I, I did yep. picture it as Moses going up this massive mountain and then having to come all the way back down. And only when he reaches the bottom, does he find fill in the blank yep. because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, Is this also so,
0: the mountain that um, Abraham took his son up to kill him?
1: Uh, man, that's, that's going even back that a would
0: change that story. Because that was even like, come on, boy, we're going to go up this giant
1: mountain. No, that was Mount Moriah, or Mount Moria, oh, okay. as I like to say. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. Uh, let me see. Mount Moria is 768 metres above sea level. So it's, it's right near Jerusalem. So it's a similar height to the Mount of Olives. Um, a little bit higher off the... It'll, it'll look higher off the ground than Mount Sinai, probably. But it would not be too much more of a journey. Ooh. So, Wow. Okay, so I've I recently started listening to this podcast by Cliff Graham, who I think is an awesome author, and he's a great storyteller. He used to be in the... Oh, I don't want to sell him short. In the armed forces in America. And uh, then he became a chaplain, and then he was... Uh, propelled into this the uh, the lifestyle of fame and glory through his uh, line of war series uh stylistically depicting david and his mighty men uh fighting their, their battles and things so they're like biblical fiction yeah so it's a fictitious take on a biblical narrative and he adds some character and things and they're really awesome stories um he has a podcast out now called cavode which is the Hebrew word for glory. It's K-O K A V O D E. Kavod. Yep. And so he he's going through the life of David. That's his whole podcast premise. Much like we're going through the entire Bible, he's just going so through. So we should the just skip
0: David. David and tell people to go to that one.
1: Yeah, basically. When it gets to that, we'll just take six months off and then we're good. Um but something that he did when he was uh in his first episode called setting he's basically uh he's been to Israel many times and so he gave this verbal description of what you see when you're out near Bethlehem and he's basically saying things like there are hills and it actually talks about the hill country and everything like that but uh I've heard I've heard elsewhere too that Israel's not very mountainous when it comes to you're not going to see anything like the remarkable's in New Zealand in no. in the middle east it's mostly just going a cricket be big rugged hills yeah exactly <laughs> i think i think they won the uh the 2020 uh competition yes, last year yep. so sad so uh yeah israel's not very hilly and no nope. it is it's dirtier now this is a side point as well but uh recently i went to uh my fiance and i went over to uh, some friends houses who used to be in YWAM. one of them still kind of in YWAM. um but they uh they're on the gold coast here and she's from canada and he's from nigeria and it was actually a it was a funny little conversation that fee had with this little boy he uh the the son he said uh i think fee asked him what do you like better Australia or Nigeria? And he said, well, Nigeria has more dirt and rusty buildings. And then that was his whole answer. That was the
0: whole answer? That was his whole answer. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I think he said something about how they have to have generators that you fill up at the gas station because the electricity is broken and they don't know how to fix it or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, But I thought that was actually a really... I mean, obviously, Nigeria is not really close to israel but to get my mind in that kind of area i have always kind of pictured it as this dusty kind of thing and the bible talks about when you enter a, uh, a town and they don't welcome you then when you leave shake the dust off of your of your sandals and things like that so you can assume that the roads around there are quite dusty but uh the actual scenery is a lot Browner, I think, than I was led to believe. But then even yeah. considering... You're in Europe right now and when I went to Norway on my outreach and when I've been to New Zealand and stuff, I see these green forests and these green trees and they're so beautiful and breathtaking and something about them just... it My heart yearns for that kind of greenery every day. But I live in Australia yeah. where the... The brush, the the greenery is more like a grey brownery half the yeah. time, and even the uh, the green leaves that we have on our native trees have kind of a grey tinge to them, and it just makes me. It's a different kind of beauty. So if I'm yeah. if I'm wanting to see that beautiful lush green color that I see in movies and stuff, then I'm not gonna see that when I walk out the door, but no. you kind of gather a different kind of appreciation for both of them. And so then they're beautiful in their own right. Um, and I think it's mostly because I've seen the lush greenery depicted on movies and TV shows and stuff more than I have the Australian bush or yeah. even uh, the the Middle Eastern or sorry, the Middle Eastern or the, uh, the Asian type of uh, forestry and things. So I think, it's uh i have to mentally shift my mind into gear in order to um to be able to appreciate the beauty that is described in the bible yeah which i think is something that i wouldn't have really been able to articulate and i know it took me a long time to say that just then wouldn't have been able to articulate that a few years ago before i had gone overseas and then come back kind of disappointed in my own country <laughs> Um, yep. and had to rediscover my love for the Australian bush and Australian wildlife and things. So I don't know where I was going with that, but I'm just I'm getting my mind in the headspace to appreciate the beauty of the wilderness, yep. um, even if it is browner and dustier than I would like. <laughs> Good thing but I don't even have to that, be there.
0: That whole line of thought mm-hmm. that, in Bible study, we can look at what we actually know, yeah. and that gives us more of a richer view of the Bible. hmm I really like. mm mm-hmm. Espe- Yeah, even that stuff that you found on Google, and even these backstories of some of the feasts that we wouldn't know normally. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't even change the meaning, but it definitely f- changes the atmosphere or the feeling. Mm-hmm of as you're reading through, these people aren't just characters in a book that you're reading. These are people that actually lived and felt things and interacted with God in similar ways and dissimilar ways Mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. I like it.
1: Uh, All right, so getting back to the Bible, um, there's a... In chapter 4... Sorry, not chapter 4. Oh, no, heavens, no. Chapter 19 still, we're not going back in time. Uh, Verse 4... God says that he bore the Israelites on eagle's wings and brought them to himself. And I just think that is such a beautiful Tolkienesque uh piece of imagery, and I think it's it's really awesome of God to be referencing Tolkien here. Um Definitely. And uh He is honored that guy. Yeah, he definitely Definitely. He's currently
0: the Beyonce of being honoured.
1: Yeah, where did that come from? how did, How did Beyonce become the uh, the what's the it called the standard the standard for
0: things? I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure out where it came from, but they're like, "That's the Beyonce of this thing," and I was like, "Whoa, Beyonce is the standard." All right, I'll keep that. Mm-hmm. I don't really know anything about Beyonce. She probably is terrible, but no, she's not terrible.
1: <laughs> she's a good singer. But if nothing She's else.
0: She's good singing. She's got some
1: grooves. And I know that she used to train by singing on the treadmill so that she could dance while singing. Um, oh, that's genius. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, so, uh, so God is reminding Moses of the call that he has and that Israel has themselves. Um, Moses called the elders of the people together and sat before them. Do you think he was sitting on something or just on the ground?
0: Um... I would seven. hope he was sitting on something so that he wouldn't ruin his sweet outback man dress mm.
1: well if he was nearing 81 years of age or around 81 you'd think he would have one of those walkers that has oh, the wheels true, that
0: has a seat in it
1: yep. yep so that's what I'm picturing now Moses kind of just bumping along with his his wheels all over the dirt and stuff and then he just turns around and sits on his, his walker
0: <laughs> just like Good night, sports, let's have a bit of a chat. <laughs> and then all of them also have those walkers because all of the elders are probably similar age. Oh, yeah. Sport. So there's just a big bunch of people sitting on their walkers.
1: Oh, man, that is quite an talking. image. I like that. I wonder if we could make that the the image for this week. Probably. Um, sweet. All right. Well, we'll have to see whose turn it is to draw. But uh, Moses told them everything that God had commanded him and the people answered together... Do you think it was like a chorus in a, in a musical, how the people that are part of the quote-unquote chorus group are the ones that just sing I, the main parts of all the songs in the background?
0: I hope that happened, but I have a feeling it's probably like one or two people started and then a few more people started up and then like the 15th person figured out the chant and then they're like, yeah, we're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to do it. Okay, so it's we're so like, gonna do it.
1: all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All the Probably. Lord has spoken,
0: we- and then but I hope was, in Hebrew it sounds better.
1: Oh, yeah, I hope so as well. I mean, it's either that or they said something like uh, one word each. So they were just sitting yeah, in a line true. like when you do that story game. Once upon a time there was. So they say, all that the Lord has
0: spoken...
1: We will. Yeah, there's always
0: that one guy not sure what's happening.
1: Oh, I mean the guy. Like, at- oh, Jerry. The-, the guy at the end who says "Do." Could you imagine if he said "Not"? So it says, <laughs> "A lot has spoken. We will not." Yeah, do. And it was like, what? "Boo! boo.
0: <laughs> Get out of Kick here! Kick him out of the camp!"
1: You are off the council, no longer an elder. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. They could just fire him. How do you feel about the fact that Moses reports the words of the people to the Lord? In the book? Yeah, well, I mean, we know from other parts of the Bible that people don't have to go and tell God what other people said. True. Because God is everywhere and he knows everything and he hears everybody's thoughts, even... uh, And especially what they say out loud, so... Why does Moses have to go and report things to the Lord?
0: Um, Because they're an intimate friendship at the time. So maybe it's to show the people that intimate friendship so that people are like, whoa, I can have the same with God. That's sick.
1: Hmm. Okay. So to kind of uh, discuss it with him. So it's not like yep. he's saying he's the messenger running between them. He goes and sits down in front of God on his walker and says, all right, so this is what everyone said. And then God tells him something and he has to run all the way back and tell other people. Yeah. Okay. And at
0: that stage, maybe God is making the mountain so holy with his presence that that makes the communication easier and that's why he has to keep going back and forth.
1: Either that or it makes it harder because God's preoccupied (laughs) consecrating the mountain, so...
0: Yeah, he's like, just leave me alone. I've got to make this mountain <laughs> sweet.
1: So then God says, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud uh, in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. Ooh. That is, that's quite the promise um, because he's not only saying that the people will believe you, but its a, it will be this ongoing everlasting belief that these people that witness this Will have. Are you thinking yeah. he's just uh, he's saying that in relation to the people that are physically standing there or their descendants? Everyone will believe that God spoke to Moses in the future.
0: Yes, descendants.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: But also maybe he's hoping for the next like few days because then they make the big old golden calf. Mm. So maybe he was hoping like, well. Because they know I'm here and I'm talking with them, maybe they won't worship anything else. Mm -hmm. And then they did.
1: Yeah. Okay, so God tells Moses to go to the people and consecrate them uh, and then let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. So we remember that as they left Egypt, God talked about the consecration of the firstborn and how that was committing them to God. Yeah. Effectively in response to God slaughtering the uh the Egyptian firstborn and how Israel in return was grateful and uh offered their lives in service to God as the firstborn. And uh, that yeah. was I think back in chapter 13 or something. Um, and it was around the same time as the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Taco Tuesday. Mm -mm -mm. Um, Okay, so they consecrate themselves. That's what they are instructed to do. That's pretty sweet. And then God says, for on the third day, the Lord will... Third day, that's a good band name. Uh, The Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people, and you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, don't go up the mountain or touch the edge of it. Um and it's clearly a big deal to God. And yeah. like like you said before because he wouldn't have put these barriers in, these uh these things to stop people unless there was actually a reason. And we see due to the uh the nature around when he announces what he's going to do, how he asked them to consecrate themselves, we can see that it has to do with holiness and how God wants to maintain the purity of his communication with Moses during that time. So if anybody that wasn't consecrated uh, even came near the mountain, then that would infringe upon the holiness, maybe? Yeah. Um, So he's especially wanting to keep that when it comes to the physical mountain itself, which we remember is only 300 and some meters high. Uh, off the ground. You're so
0: not so big.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not like Israel was camped at the foot of a massive mountain and they couldn't go anywhere without setting foot on the mountain. This was... Yeah. You can clearly walk around this hill. It's like one of the hills yeah. surrounding Canberra, basically. So you can yeah. in picture Mount Taylor in, in Canberra. You're like, well...
0: Even smaller.
1: Yeah, I can avoid that. So, yeah. All right, so uh, Hmm. they put up barriers. They think it was like yellow tape.
0: That would be so good, but no. (laughs) I think he was just very insistent that you don't touch this edge of the mountain and this edge of the mountain and this edge of the mountain.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like he he put up some roadblocks all around so that they wouldn't accidentally go near it. He just (laughs) uh, made it very clear to them that they were supposed to be limited with where they went. All right. Um so when the trumpet sounds you... a long yep. blast uh they shall come up the mountain. Who is is he saying that's when it kind of ends? That's when the limitations end and people shall come up the mountain? I'm just a little bit confused about verse 13 and it's not because of how we open the episode.
0: Yeah, I thought at first it was that anyone who does touch the mountain will be killed and then walk up the mountain. And I was like, whoa, what? A zombie? That's sweet. (laughs) But then I think it's referring more to, yeah, when they can come up the mountain closer to God, because Mm. maybe the end goal was that they would meet with God. Huh, right, because we never see that. Yeah.
1: Hmm. All right. Yeah, I, I can buy that. Um... Okay, so it does say that... um, All right, it looks like the trumpet blast actually happens before everything happens, everything else happens. So it says, On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings, both of which I'm not used to seeing in the plural sense, and a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled.
0: Nice.
1: I I can imagine that would be quite
0: freaky. That would be um, huge freaky.
1: Especially if it only covered one mountain, you would do everything in your power to avoid going near that mountain. Yep. Um, and then Moses brings and the then people... And Moses
0: is like, come on, come yeah. to the mountain.
1: That's right, because that's what God said. He said there'll be a trumpet, sound's a long blast, and then they shall come up the mountain. So I don't know if he's talking about all the people, but it seems as though that's what's happening. Yeah. they take their stand at the foot of the mountain now it says that Mount Sinai was completely wrapped in smoke because the lord had descended on it in fire and that uh, the smoke and fire and the thunder and lightning and the cloud would have been absolutely terrifying and yeah. I can't picture a natural disaster that would uh, would be replicated in something like that Um Although it may be something akin to what happened with the hail back in Egypt. Because it said there was yeah. fire that fell with the hail. So, mixed with the, the fire tornado as they were coming out
0: of Egypt. so The smoke of, pretty... the smoke of a kiln. Mm. Have you seen a kiln?
1: Yeah, there was a kiln at uh, one of my high schools. We made some clay models and things. That was fun. Cool. Um, but I didn't actually see the smoke... Was mostly wow. just like a massive oven with a very heavy door.
0: So, oh, so it was like walk in size?
1: No, not really. Huh. Yeah. It was just like a It was a, like a normal oven. oven size. Mm-hmm. It was off the ground, it was on a stand.
0: Okay. Um, so it was like the baby Beyonce of Kilns.
1: Basically. Yep.
0: I've forgotten baby Beyonce's name. It's like blue or something. Or apple. Um, I don't know and then, um, the trumpet oh, grows louder.
1: Where are we now? Verse 19. So we're, we're nearing the end of this and we're nearing the end of this episode. And in verse 19, louder. it says the trumpet grew, the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder. I wonder how anyone would have heard anything.
0: It didn't and they all had industrial hearing afterwards. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic industrial hearing. No one thinks of it.
1: No. No. They should have had some of those cheap fluorescent green earplugs. Yeah, you fluorescent to start wearing orange.
0: them throughout all of life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just getting ridiculous. Have like even a- last night <laughs> the why do why do establishments have music on in the background? None of us can hear us talk. I know. Oh, I know. It's just so frustrating. It's like
1: sitting on a bus. Have, you, do you, when Have I ever sat on a bus? <laughs> I caught myself before I asked that dumb question. <laughs> but not before I asked all the other dumb questions I've asked in this episode. Um, but I used to think to myself, when I was sitting on a bus, either with people or not, um, if I was listening to music or reading a book or something, it would just be white noise. All the yeah. chatter on the bus was just crazy loud. But then... If I actually paid attention to it, then I realised people are this loud because they're trying to hear over other people, hearing over them, hearing yeah. over other people. So everyone just gradually gets louder and louder and louder and louder because they can't hear themselves over everyone else until it's this uproar and it's ridiculously loud. So
0: Yeah, and it's yeah. made even more if you have... Even the smallest amount of music in the background mm-hmm. but most places have not just quiet music but they mm-hmm. have loud music so it's even worse yeah just so so this trumpet is like that
1: <laughs> yes it's like the the Beyonce volume
0: They're just yeah. increasing, Ooh, and increasing
1: thanks um, so God answers him in thunder does Moses speak thunder I don't understand no. All right.
0: Maybe it's like a, it's like when your mum tells you to go to your room, so she just yells it at you. Yeah, okay. But in the opposite sense, like God was like, come and hang out with me by yelling thunder.
1: Yeah, and what? Moses Moses probably would have known the cue because God already told him, I'm going to do this, you're going to come up the mountain, it's going to be yeah. awesome, uh, we're going to have a party, and so will Israel. And we'll get to that in a couple of episode's time, but uh, verse 21, as we are bringing this plane down to land, uh, the Lord takes Moses up the mountain, or Moses goes up the mountain, and God says to him, go down and warn the people. So he's already telling him to go back down the mountain when he just came up the mountain. He's probably sweaty and panting because he's an (laughs) 80-year-old man. He probably couldn't even take his walker up there, so he's just got his nope. walking stick and Oh man. It would be chaos within Moses' mm-hmm. aching joints probably. Yeah, he's, he's just so- not loving it. <laughs> Definitely not. But maybe he's like an eighty year old marathon runner. You know, we've oh, seen people so like he's that. So he's
0: super thin and he's yes. fit as.
1: Yes, a string bean, balding head, obviously with the uh the hair around the sides and back of his head as well. Um on yeah. a
0: sweatband, on oh. his head and both of his hands.
1: Totally. Which is also a good image for this episode, so we'll see which one we choose. Uh, so, God's telling him to go back down, lest Israel break through to the Lord, to look and many of them perish. So, we, we know from later on in the Bible that looking at God, and even, even in other parts when Moses realises he's seen God, he says, Oh, no, I've seen the Lord, I'm going to die. Um, We know that the holiness of God, if you behold it with your own eyes, you will die. There is no way to live because of the fallen nature within ourselves. Um, So later on, we have people that uh, get pushed into the cleft of the rock and other things like that. So they don't really see God face to face because that's too much, Um, obviously, until Jesus. um, So God here is trying to prevent Israel from basically uh, standing before the Lord in judgment far too soon. Yeah. Looks like. Um, And uh, also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. So again, we see that holiness is really important to God, especially in this instance. I mean, it is all throughout scripture, uh, especially when it comes to priests and things, but... Prior to this, we don't actually know anything about the priests because Aaron, has he been ordained as the, the priest over all of Israel? I feel like he may No, have.
0: but at the start of this chapter, he started talking about it, mm. didn't he?
1: Yeah, something like that. So
0: And so maybe in the meeting with the elders, they started talking about that.
1: Mm. Okay, so at the very least, they would have known that having a priest to God is an important thing to do. Yeah. Um. So, not exactly sure when Aaron gets ordained, but there are priests, and it would stand to reason that they were Levites. And as we remember, Moses himself is a Levite. So the the Le- the Levitical tribe is very near and dear to God's heart, and we see that all throughout the rest of Scripture. Um, yeah, and that's pretty sweet. Uh, so consecration is super important, and. He Moses says to God, the people can't come up Mount Sinai for you yourself warned us saying set limits around it and consecrate it. So is Moses back talking to God? Is he saying, come on man, I don't need to go back down there. I don't want to risk my aching knees just to tell them something you've already told them?
0: Come on. He's definitely back talking. Come yep. on man. I can picture that for sure. Moses, his, what a back talker.
1: His defiance written all over his sweaty face underneath his sweatband.
0: Well, and it, well, you see it further in, mm. he does, he not backtalks, but he just keeps God to God's own standard mm. a lot of times. Like, yep. remember this, or you can't do that because that would get go against your character, or yep. standing in the gap, right, he intercedes on behalf of the Israelites because mm-hmm. God was going to take him out. Yeah. So it shows even more the intimacy between them, which is awesome.
1: Mm -hmm. but this time God sends him back down again and says, all right, fine, go down and come back, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord. I'm picturing some kind of crazy music concert or something with the security guards with their backs to the band, looking out over the crowd.
0: Yeah. Just making sure.
1: Yeah. About two or three feet above everyone else standing on the barriers. Um, Make sure they don't break out uh, to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So there's lots of breaking. And we remember that yeah. the uh, the Hebrew language technique of repetition is emphasis. So it'd be interesting to see what this word break actually means and uh, and symbolizes in this case. Because it's clearly yeah. very important to God that nobody breaks out Um
0: but then I'm curious how many people would want to go up because it was quite terrifying. So were the people like, oh, whoa, this is ridiculous. I want to run away. And then like 10 minutes later, they're like, whoa, I want to go up there. That'd be sweet.
1: Yeah, maybe it's the, uh, the proud people that are seeking some kind of glory for themselves. Kind of uh, idolizing Moses and saying, Moses is the leader. I want some of that. So then they Ah, want to go up the mountain with him. Something like that. Um, And then Moses goes down to the people and he tells them.
0: Yep. Now, he
1: does. uh, we have to assume that he goes back up the mountain before the beginning of chapter 20. Otherwise, God is just speaking to himself while Moses is down the mountain. Or speaking to Moses when Moses is down the mountain. But we know from the whole uh, account of the Ten Commandments that... It is something that God speaks to Moses on the mountain. Yep. So there's a little bit missing from this narrative, but I can't imagine there's anything else missing whatsoever. Everything yep. else is completely
0: 100% accurate. Definitely reported on. Yes. In detail.
1: Yep. In a it's in like a, a journal of people's, people's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that was uh, chapter 19 of Exodus and... Uh, Again, we uh, we saw Israel leave Rephidim, the uh, the place where they met up with old mate, baby face Jethro Ruel. Um And Moses sits in front of the elders and goes up the mountain, then comes back down the mountain, then goes back up the mountain, and we don't know what's going to happen next. All we know is that he is on top of this mountain with this fire and smoke and thunder, and lightning, and this massive cloud, and everyone is terrified of this mountain, but he goes back up there taking Aaron with him, an interesting little detail that we may get into in coming episodes, and we don't know what is going to happen. Will Moses be struck down? You'll have to tune in next time to find out on Scripture Read Badly.
0: Yeah, you will. And I'm Jeremy.
1: And I'm Ryan, and next time we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments, or Ten Commandments.
0: Ooh, Commandments, if 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 you're upper class, or from Adelaide.
1: Yeah, (laughs) who consider themselves upper class. Um,
0: Commandment.
1: Yep. All right, Uh, so this uh, this episode, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of advice, and it is to make sure you drink at least a litre of water a day. I know a lot of people say drink six cups or three litres or whatever it is, But drink at least one litre. Let's be realistic. Not everyone has time to just guzzle the water uh, all day long. Um, Do you mean a
0: litre of coffee? That's liquid.
1: Yes. I think that's what I said, wasn't it? And when I I said water, I meant whatever beverage you choose because they clearly don't make any difference. They're interchangeable. Yes, they are. They're like the Beyonce Um, of liquid.
0: They are the Beyoncé of liquid, and for the record, it's minus 16 degrees outside. Wow. So imagine that in your warm houses.
1: Wow. Uh, And uh, interestingly, even though it's the heat of the day here, it's only about 26, and I have one fan on, and it's very, very low. So uh, we've been having a little bit of a cool change, and we're looking forward to some blistering heat in the next few days. So that's gonna be mm, fantastic. Blistering. Yep. Can't wait to blister. Um anyway, again, it's Ryan and Jeremy, scripture read badly. You'll tune in Peace. next time I'm sure. Goodbye.